A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome to this week's episode of The Nero Show. In today's episode... Focus have released a new Izalco Max road bike and we're not sure what to make of it. USA Cycling remove the amateur national category. What do we think? How does UK road cycling get so much coverage on cycling YouTube? Everesting, bikepacking, gravel trips, park runs, what to do this off-season. Look at this bike. Look at, Look at this new bike, Jesse, isn't it? This has captured the imagination of someone, somewhere. We love this game, don't we, where a new bike's released and then we get to pick the current bike that it looks like. Mm. Anything come to mind on this one? Everything. Um, current bike that looks like, to me, is a... There's one. There's one real standout. I was going to go a Van Rizzle. Oh. Okay. No? I can sort of see it. What are you going to go with? Oh, it's a Scott Addict. Oh. 100%. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing looked like. So do you want to talk about this? Yeah, I think we should. All right. I think it was pretty big. big good uh, intro. Good intro. All right. Izalco Max 9.9. Tell me about this exciting release, Jesse. Again, when these bikes are getting released now, obviously we haven't ridden one. We can't really review it. I like to review it as it sits in the market and the release itself, as we've said before. So I think we're going to do this with this new Focus Izalco because it probably rides pretty well. It's probably mid seven kilos. It's probably saves a few watts on the previous generation. It's all the same old stuff. So that's not that interesting to go to. Let's save that until Dave Arthur gets his hands on one and he can tell us how it rides. For now, let's just go through and... Pick through it. What do we think? It's a classic focus, isn't it? Because it is just pick one aspect and they've just shot straight down the middle. So as a bike, top to bottom, middle of the road, everything. It's actually pretty amazing how middle of the road, even down to the price. The price is middle of the road. It's pretty incredible just to make such a run-of-the-mill bike that I almost have respect for it to just across the board make this smack bang in the middle. I expected nothing less because Focus have only ever had the Izalco Max. That's their bike. So they didn't really have another choice. But it's just another one of these do-it-all bikes. I'm, I'm interested you said that, that my Focus are – historically run of the mill. I, I don't know. I, I kind of always thought 
they were sort of maybe not cutting edge, but like a a little bit like left of center, maybe sort of doing things a bit. Too. I will always remember that that focus that as Alcomax you rode with the um the like toothpick thin rear seat stays. I went through a few of those. They were up at Carbon Bike Doctor a couple of <laughs> times. <laughs> they were they were a bit out there. I can't I mean, I know that was the almost like the age of the lightweight bike, but it was it was pretty out there. I think you were on like the the AG2R colorway at the time. Like that that was that was a pretty shit hot bike. This this is what you said. This is Sorry, Vegemite on toast, but like this is just your plain of the <laughs> meal, right? What's for breakfast? I don't know. Whatever's in the cupboard. Yeah. So let's walk through it then top to bottom. So straight off the top, because it's going to be in the comments, even given the paint, actually not even given the paint. I don't know why I said that, especially given the paint, it looks just like a Chinese carbon bike from the silhouette straight from the side. There's going to be someone that comments that down below. Although, as we have seen from uh, Patrick, that does the Patrick Lino, that does the reviews, I think we can get beyond just saying, well, it looks like a Chinese carbon bike. There is difference in layup. So we need to get past the fact that it does look like something you would buy off AliExpress, which it does. It just does in that black color scheme. Compared to the previous generation, more aero shaped tubing, NACA profile tubes. They say it saves 6.6 watts at 45k an hour compared to the previous generation, which is not a lot at all. Over the previous generation of the same bike. Of the same bike. Yeah. That's from a combination of CFD and wind tunnel testing. I couldn't find any details on what, what percent is from what. So if that's their best case scenario, it saves 6.6 watts at 45k an hour. It's pretty small, isn't it? That's not that much, but cool. It's a little bit faster. Sure, fine. It's got separate stem and handlebar. Mm. It doesn't come with an integrated handlebar, and I flopped back and forth on this, and I'm actually at a loss now as to whether this is a good thing or a bad thing because you'll see in the reviews, 100%, the reviews come out on all the sites. If it has an integrated bar, they'll say, this is amazing because it's faster and it looks sleeker. And if it comes out with a separate bar and stem, the reviews will say, this is amazing because it's more adjustable and integrated bar and stems are harder to get the right size. So when you're looking at reviews online, it's generally a win-win either way. That can't be the case. There's mm. bikes that benefit from it and don't benefit from it. Where do you sit? Would you like to see an integrated one-piece bar stem? On the top tier version, yes. I, I, if you're going to tier this bike, I, I would have thought that the, the top version comes with, yes, the integrated thing, and then below that spec comes, I think, a few brands do. I think potentially the, that BMC that we were talking about does something like that where it then tiers into a two-piece system which has got more flexibility. That uh, That's how I would see it playing out. On a bike brand where they're own, they only have one tier of bike. So you're probably going to try and cover a few bases with it. Kind of agree. I think even for the top level spec of this, the Durace Di2 one, separate bar and stem for a run-of-the-mill do-it-all bike, I think having the separate handlebar stem makes sense. I kind of like it for what this is trying to do. Uh, so I actually think I'm going to even points for having the separate 
bonus then because that could slap one on and that take that could take their it's six point six watts faster, could be eight point six if you have mm-hmm. it integrated. So they've chosen not to do that. I think kudos for that. Thirty millimeter tire clearance. Um which is in line it's again, it's it's just smack bang in the middle, isn't it? Mm. It's not that impressive. Uh, but it's not like it's twenty eights and we're going, oh, it's a bit narrow. It's just yeah, okay. It's the it's yeah, it's the lowest common denominator, basically. Yeah. Uh I'll I'll get more onto the tire clearance in in a bit, because mm-hmm. I have more to say on that, but let's keep running. No power meter across any of the specs that you can get it with. And that's the bike. Again, it probably rides fine. The weight's probably fine. It's probably all just fine. But let's look at the price because this is where you can you start to judge it, really, because it all depends on price. Now, it's cheaper than a Trek, okay, but it's the same price as a Scott Addict, which is interesting. Now, remember, Focus aren't in the World Tour anymore, mm-hmm. and that's usually what you're paying for with a brand to fund that marketing, to fund seeing it out there. So you're excited to buy the brand in the first place. So you're not paying for that anymore. So to be same price as a Scott Addict, well, you, I don't know about that. A giant TCR in Australia in a SRAM rival build is $2,000 cheaper and comes with a power meter. Now, I know it's extremely difficult to compete with giant, but for giants in the world tour, mm. And so the giant TCR advanced pro disc with SRAM rival with a power meter of 6999 and the focus as Alco same spec is 8999. So it's 2000 more without a power meter. Yeah. Tough sell to be honest. What else? Uh, it is also, a, it, um, <clears throat> The canyons aren't as good value, aren't as cheap as the giant, but the canyons still come under the price point. A canyon ultimate is still cheaper and comes with a power meter. That's where it sits price-wise. So again, as we said, that price is kind of smack bang in the middle of the mid to upper level road bikes. But if we look at the paints too, I mean, the paint schemes, there's not even a focus wording on the side of the frame. You, you wouldn't know what this is if you saw it out there. Um, strange one, strange. I really wanted to to zig to your zag to this, like because I, I kind of got a sense that you're a bit disappointed by it, and I was like, all right, but let's let me let me really think about this. Can I? Who can I? Who could I s- not sell this bike to? But who can I get excited for for this bike? All right, and okay, apart from. And I'm sure there are people out there just rusted on focus fans who the tattoos on their calf and they'll focus till they die. I just, there's, there's nothing to get excited. Now, look, I'm not saying you have to splash friggin' fluoro paint all over this bike to somehow, you know, grab, grab our attention. But even if you just look at this bike from a distance when you are um, comparing it even to their old frame, it's a kind of, relatively similar looking build to their old frame. The colorways are kind of the same as well. And if you're going to walk into the dealer, the focus dealer at the moment, and they go, Oh, hang on, hold up a sec. The new one's coming. I'll show you the brochure. It'd be a bit like, well, 
Actually, why would I bother waiting? So who would you see riding this bike? Who, who, who is this for? If you had to sell it to someone. It's probably for me or my kind of age group, I would assume. But then, like you said, you've pointed out the competition and you're either going to get a better value bike in a giant. And okay, the, the giant brand, whatever it might be, might, might not do it for you. Maybe you really get around the whole German engineering thing. You're into German cars or something like that. And that could potentially be the route that, that takes you down that. But even, even if you are into German engineering and expertise and all that kind of stuff, there's not a lot to look at here and go, yeah, this is my European stallion sitting in the, the garage. It's very underwhelming. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe, maybe they're playing on that card that it's, I don't know, for someone pretty boring, maybe. Or is it a case of, hey, are you overwhelmed by this aero stuff and this super lightweight, I don't know what bike to get? Cool. Come and grab a Focus. It'll do We're it all safe. well. Yeah. It's all run of the mill. You can't go wrong. It's not super cheap, so there's not any perceived risk that you're getting a cheap bike. A giant. And I do think, and I think that's, that is kind of important because I, I feel Focus does have a really good reputation. I feel it does anyway. Yeah. Like and I would be very confident. And this is why I, I went down that route of thinking about who would buy it. Like, because I'd be very, very confident recommending this brand to people. And I suppose the the reason I'm sort of struggling a bit with it is I'm apart from, from suggesting it just because I think the brand is good, good quality stuff. There's not a lot of actual hands on to, to suggest here <laughs> apart from, yeah, it's Germany. Like, yeah. It's That's good quality bike stuff. Bike stuff. What <laughs> is it? What it. is it about the focus, Chris, that you're gonna <laughs> that you are going to recommend to Steve? It's there. It is. Yep. So I was thinking, how do we? How would? What would I have liked to see to be absolutely seeing the praises of this mm-hmm. bike right here, right now? Mm. And I had a few things put out. First thing would be tire clearance because you go on Focus's website and it's at, now it's quite off-road focused, mountain bikes, gravel bikes, that adventure scene is, seems to be what that brand alignment is now. So I'd like to see that carry over into the road bike. So if they came out and the Focus Izalco Max had clearance for claimed 32s but it'd fit a 34, I, I could give them points for that. I think it's on brand and it would it would look really cool. It would match. And I would also say an interesting color. Come out and say, hey, it's a focus. It's a quality brand. It's respected in the market. It's got big tire clearance. And it also looks really cool. They could do like a camo one with a fluoro focus logo or something. And then you could say, yep, it's kind of run of the mill but I love the brand and it looks really cool and it fits wide tires and I'm on board. And I think then we could say, cool, it's doing something unique. Cause as it stands right now, I can't see any reason why you'd buy this over a same price Scott addict that's in the world to a ridden by. See, I could see a, I could see a par normal 
writer choosing a focus, right? I, I could definitely see see that type of person in the past, not necessarily this one, buying it. And so just like you said, I just I just kind of feel like to to get them over the hump, they just needed they just needed the right little colorway and they would have happily gone down that route. Because I do think there's a niche there for them that that those guys are kind of looking for exclusive or sort of slightly different brands. Like look at the standard thing. They're all kind of going that route at the moment. There's a, there's a space in the market for these people. I just, yeah, I don't know if this one hit the mark. And the other, just on the tire clearance thing, like you might say that now and like people are like, what, 30, who's, like this is a four or five year cycle for a bike. Like I think there are previous models four years old, maybe longer. Like you can't tell me in three, four years if this bike's only got 30 mil tire clearance that it's going to be still particularly relevant. Why not? Just lean further into that into that route. Other thing they potentially could have done, I think, is maybe made it a little lighter. The six, it saves six point six watts, kind of thing. Whether it saves two or saves eight, no one really cares if they're buying the Focus. So as long as it's at least a, a watt faster, I think you're good. So you got, let's say you got five watts to play with. I reckon you could really slim down the back end of this and get it at a weight level where it's competing with an SL8 and you can say this is a wide tyre clearance climbing bike that's still faster than the previous generation and it looks cool. I reckon because it's still got that aero sort of SL7-esque back yeah. end. Yeah, I think they could probably go back to get those seat stays back from the original one, those tiny little <laughs> wafer thin um that was honestly, that's what I thought they were going to do. I, I really thought focus would be the the full right. We're gonna we're gonna go light aero, light disc bike. That's gonna be that's gonna be our niche. That's what we used to do in the past. Hundred percent. Let's go for it. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe that wasn't realistic that they're gonna go the the full the full route. But you're right. Like get this get this somewhere down to like a low sevens build and. It's just a much easier, like that's such a, an easier conversation to have with someone if you're trying to suggest a bike to them, especially when they are like comparing between propels and things like that. Now you are kind of selling them a heavier bike. And to those people, that matters. So can I devil's advocate myself? If they had gone for even lighter weight so they could really say this is upper end of the climbing bikes and thinned the tubes out, stripped some of the carbon out so they'd have to use stiffer carbon, it's probably not going to ride as well. So I, I have a feeling if we had the Focus product guy here, he would say, no, we've chosen this route because it's a smoother ride. So even though it doesn't look as impressive on the spec sheet, you could potentially argue that this way, this way it's designed now actually rides better on the road. So what does a brand do there? Do they just design the better bike, which you could argue is <coughs> at, which you could argue is as it is now, even though it's not as competitive on the spec sheet, or do you go for the spec sheet marketing release, knowing that it is a bit stiffer, but if it sells more a greater good now maybe that's where the focus quality comes in 
and that they actually go for what's better on the road, not just in the specs. I'm just putting that out there. There's a potential that that's why this is how it is. Well, that's that's exactly what they would say, and like that's that's the way a, a German engineer, not to just totally stereotype, would would absolutely operate. They would be like, no, no, this ride's better this way. We will build it that way. Like that's that's the way they would definitely operate. Um, I will say that the more I talk about this bike, and I, I have been thinking about it a lot, I could talk myself into this bike. <laughs> like, I'm getting there too. Yeah. <laughs> the longer I sit here and chat to you about it, like I'm like, you know what? The Germans, yeah. This maybe maybe they're playing the ultimate undersell here. It's like it's the ultimate if you know you know brand. We are not going to make this thing look in any way interesting at all. In fact, we're going to paint it black. We're not even going to put our logo on it. And you do, you're going to want this because word of mouth will get around. You know, there'll be there'll be that one guy that gets one. Oh yeah, tell you what, I. I flew down the waterfall on this. Flew down. Hardly pedaled. Yeah. But it'll be a whisper. It'll be like, mm. look, don't tell anyone, but I am 6K an hour faster on the downhill. I'm, so just keep that between you and me. But look, if you want one, I know a guy that doesn't. We can get him in. I'll help you. Yeah. I, I reckon it's the ultimate undersell. And maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's their play here. Like what was the point of a big flashy? I will say – what was the point of a big flashy release? There was no release to this. You you basically messaged me. It's like, oh, have you seen the new Focus? I'm like, no. There is like no, nothing on YouTube about this at all. There was like a couple of, um, I think, magazine articles, potentially like just press release stuff, but like none of the normal kind of YouTube things came out. They, they just sort of updated their website with a new like okay that's it that's it's the ultimate undersell sell why are there so many bikes coming with dt swiss wheels yeah, oem question. what's the go with great that question. are they good so do you like your dt swiss yeah yeah they were fun they're good best wheels you've ridden uh no not the best wheels no. i've ridden okay we didn't uh that was damn solid though pretty good um i don't know though you're right like they have just flooded that OEM market. Yeah. Like you look at, what was it? It was, um, so you've got Canyons on them. I think BMCs are on them. Mm-hmm. This is on them. Is that good or bad for the DT Swiss brand though from a consumer point of view? I mean, it'd be good for their um, sales bottom numbers. line. Yeah. But does that cheapen the brand that it's just, oh, yeah, they come stock on all the Canyons? I remember DT Swiss because it came from Triathlon. You had the DT Swiss and then they had the Swiss side collaboration and it was like, the top end of aero wheels was, if you had a DT Swiss, was like bleeding edge. And now that you see them on every Tom, Dick and Harry's Canyon, it does make it a bit less exclusive. Alrighty, let us know your thoughts, guys. Focus Azalco Max, the greatest undersell of all time. What do you reckon? USA Cycling have released their national championship schedule for 2024 for next year which is where they announce all the events across all the cycling disciplines that are going to have a national championships. There is no amateur nationals anymore next year. They have scrapped amateur nationals. So it was a bit confusing, especially for us Australians who have, don't have an amateur nationals. It's really confusing. There was the pro nationals, which has 
all the pro guys, has your Sep Kuss, all those guys fighting for it, and obviously guys underneath it that can still enter, the Conti guys and, and, and the elite domestic guys. Then there was a race without the pro guys, so that was without any of the World Tour guys, and I think as well, I couldn't actually find this, I think as well the Continental riders weren't allowed to enter the Amateur Nationals, right. from what I could tell, could be wrong. So it was basically best of the rest mm-hmm. of the non-pros. They've scrapped that category. So I was thinking through this, looking through all the events going, am I, is this cool or is this, a, is this a step backwards? Now, I think looking at the scheme of other events they have, I actually don't mind them removing amateur nationals. Now, reason being, there is Grand Fondo Nationals in 2024. To me, that is amateur nationals, 100%. right? Because the amateur nationals were sort of weird because it's like I'm the best elite road cyclists with everyone better than me, just not allowed to compete. Correct. And the person that's winning amateur road nationals could be training as a full-time athlete, could have their own sponsors anyway. So really the amateur national champ could very easily technically be a professional by any other means, just not by definition, according to the team they're on. So I always thought amateur nationals was a massive murky gray area anyway. So they've removed that and yeah, your Grand Fondo National Champ is kind of your amateur national champ, and I like that there is now that distinction there, unless Sepp Kuss decides to show up to Grand Fondo Nationals for a bit of a laugh. Let's hope he doesn't do that. I think I, I, I like that. Uh, no, actually, I want to come in there because that that's exactly the step I was whinging about a month or two ago when we were talking about the Grand Fondo Worlds and it's still not being kind of this race but this is a clear sort of, well, to me, this seems to be a bit more of a point towards, no, 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 no. If you're a way too serious amateur, looking at me, like don't do these, this amateur, the amateur nationals thing is not for you. We want you to do the Grand Fondo nationals slash worlds. That's, that's, that's the scene we want you in going forward. So I don't know. I'm, I kind of agree with you. Not that I ever really like to see a race die, but I kind of agree with you on that. Yeah. Okay. Let's keep going through some of these events because I want to get your thoughts on these because there's a lot of different events that have national championships in the US next year. <clears throat> Esports cycling has a national championships. Hot or not? Yeah. Great. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. When is it? In early in, in somewhere in winter? Yes. Yep. January. So, yeah. yeah middle of, actually, that's pretty. Yeah. I didn't look at when that was on. That's quite good. So it's like sort of January 6th to 7th. Bang in the middle of winter, you have your esports nationals. Perfect. So all the Zwifters mm-hmm. that structure don't really structure the season around everyone else because they train indoors and they're not restricted by weather. You train up and you go flying in for esports cycling nationals. That's I I, I like that. I think that's yep. really good. Resource yep. intensity wise, it's on Zwift. It's kind of the cheapest nationals you're ever gonna run. Mm-hmm. I like it. Uh, how they police the 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 e-doping stuff. I mean, that's going to be fairly difficult to do. They'll probably follow the, the Zada, things like that. That's always comes up with the e-sports stuff because you've got everyone's trainer accuracy and things like that. But I like that. I think that's cool. Um, there is Gravel Nationals. That- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's a must have. So that's in September in Jering, Nebraska. Uh, hmm. I think you've got to have a gravel nationals. I'm just interested. What's is is I'm out of the loopy. Is that lining up with an existing gravel race? Uh, no. So they they ran a gra- they ran a gravel they ran a gravel nationals this year. That was the uh, looked like the first uh, legitimate sort of attempt at a at a national championship championships race. In fact, it was was kind of almost better than some of the Grand Prix races because the men's and women's field were split for once. So they're normally just lumped in one big mass start. So they're actually split and able to do their own separate races. Um, Do you know who the Gravel National Championship champion is yeah. this year? Who is it? Egan Svensson. Okay. So he's got the kit and the get up. Yep. That's mm-hmm. sick. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. There's a weird one. There are all these collegiate national champs. So you've got collegiate BMX, collegiate road, uh, collegiate track, collegiate mountain bike. As an Australian... This is bizarre. So let me get this straight. If you are lucky enough and it's decided it's for you to go to university or college in the first place, well, la-di-da, you now get to race everyone else that's lucky enough to go to university and you can be the best of the top end of town that get to went, getting to go to college in the first place. I uh, look, Australia has a university games, but it's a private run event. You the uni games. It's quite, it's a pretty big thing. It's more of a party scene. It's not really that serious. So, I would have nothing against all the colleges getting together and running their private race series, but why USA Cycling sanction this? I mean, why isn't there non-collegiate road race chance for the the tradies and the people that didn't want to go to university or couldn't afford to go to university. It just, this is the most. Welcome to America, Jesse. Welcome to America. So this, uh, I don't know the the ins and outs of this, but collegiate sport in the U S is, is a different, uh, galaxy is probably not a big enough term to what we experience here. Like high school, um, college football is bigger than any sport we have in this country. So it gets basically the, the, the organization that funds, well, funds is a whole other loaded word when it comes to college sport, the NCAA, they run a whole uh, national series and are, it's ingrained in American society, this college, college 
sport. It really, really is. And for many people, like this will be the pinnacle of their sporting lives. And I haven't seen any of the the cycling side of it, but I'm sure it's just the same. It's this is this is as good as it's ever going to get for them. It's probably way over hyped, um, but maybe they pay for it and kind of run the event, and USA Cycling kind of just slap their name on it. I just don't like the optics of it, especially when, as I will get to, there's no para road event here. So if you are a para athlete in the US, there is para track and that's it. Wow, that's literally it. So if you're a para athlete, you can race on the track. That's all you've got. Now para road is an Olympic event. So to not have a para road championships, which according to this schedule, there is no para road, maybe, I mean, fingers crossed, it's 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 sort of under here as part of another event, maybe as pro road, there's a para category. I mean, I doubt it. I think they would have listed it. But to have one para category, which is track, and then one, two, three, four different collegiate events doesn't look very good. It really looks kind of, <laughs> kind of really bad. Before very, very well-supported events, Jesse. Very well-supported events. I mean, events. USA Cycling should really put their foot down and if if the NCAA are funding the, all the collegiate events and USA Cycling are slapping their logo on it, go to them and say, okay, if you want our logo on your collegiate events, you need to run equivalent para Fair for point. all the categories. Yep. Like, okay, then you could, cool, fund it best of both worlds. That You get to have your, your NCAA collegiate national champ and then the para events all get to run. I just think it looks really bad having that like this. Cyclocross, there's a cyclocross nationals. That's cool. Yep. I like that. Although as a one-off race, that's interesting. I mean, there's a cyclocross. Um... No, that's pretty standard. Yeah. Yeah, Worlds Worlds is a one-off race. Yeah. Um, they'll, they'll, the big sort of stuff with that is getting your rankings, getting your seeding, so you're your actual start position. So there's obviously be, be ways that, that you'll be able to move up in that kind of, in that kind of avenue. But um, Masters and Junior Roads in July in Augusta, Georgia. Yeah, get around that. How is that different from the Grand... F- I guess they're probably running a proper Grand mm. Fondo, so it's totally different from a road race. But even then, the Masters could be folded into the Grand Fondo yep. because you age category yep. the results on the Grand Fondo yep. anyway. But I don't know. Yeah, it's more racing the better. So the fact that they still hold two is pretty cool. I've just got such an Australian bias where I'm just like <laughs> kind of taking what my is this college issues. Stuff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what? So ultimately, what was your take on the amateur uh, nationals going? You don't care. Good sign. Don't care. I think it's probably clearer. I was always confused. Amateur nationals, okay, sort of in between a Grand Fondo and the pro guys, and then a lot of the guys race both because they're eligible for both amateur and the pro. So I don't mind it's removed. I was just quite shocked that there's no para road events. That was my main thing was just like, well, how is that possible? I I think I feel like, especially in the US and a bit here, like that word pro gets so – like misused as well. And maybe that's just our like old school mindset of like what a pro is. But like to me, a pro is essentially 
probably well is racing in Europe for for want of a better term, especially a road professional. I'm talking about is racing in Europe and therefore being sort of paid and on a team and all that that kind of stuff. I kind of got the sense that in the US that word would get used for people who were essentially like domestic amateurs. So guys who were maybe they got kit from their team, they got their bikes from their team, maybe they're living with mum and dad and, you know, they don't have to work because they're young and then they're sort of like we're training sort of pro hours so now I'm a pro sort of thing and like – then that kind of gets muddled into what actually a pro is. So I, I kind of feel like with this, there's it a bit. Yeah. You got one one race to win national champs, and that's it. And you are a pro. It does get a little bit over you, but it, that's kind of a good thing for the domestic scene in the US. That being a pro is a grey area because you, there are domestic guys, the Legion guys, for example. They're probably getting paid, so they're pro. And so people call them pro, but they wouldn't technically be pro by what we would classically define a pro as. So I think the fact that the term is confusing is a good thing because there are quite a few riders in the US that are getting paid. So they are pro, but not pro. I think it's it's a good thing. What's the sort of take on social media of that? Just in terms of the, the amateurs going, were people up in arms? Like how dare uh, you? From or? what I saw, no one really cared that much. It was okay. very much, okay getting rid of it yeah no one really seems to mind yeah so it's that time of year jesse Mm -hmm. when you log on to youtube you see blokes with cut off handlebars and no front derailleur and 4.5 kilo bikes and uh it's uh it's good it's entertaining whatever up they go and down they come actually they don't come down because they don't have brakes on their bikes um yeah, so basically just plasters plasters my YouTube. Which got me thinking. So is the is the UK cyclist or the UK cycling scene the is it the biggest when it comes to what we see on YouTube? Because like I think about this, I'm like, if okay, our population is much less, I, I get that. But even if you even in the US, right? how you got Leadville and things like that, but I still don't think it hits as hard as when something in the UK happens, the flood of content and the actual amount of views that come from from people watching, clearly must be UK-based people, is enormous. I, I honestly feel like it's the biggest demographic when it comes to YouTube. Yeah, I felt this too, but it's because of the channels. GCN is a British YouTube channel. Most of the hosts are British, so they're in that scene. You've got a lot of the other magazines. So Bike Radar, British, usually the Road CC channel, British, Cycling Weekly, British. So and they're the, usually the ones that are that, that kind of just run of the mill bike magazine uploads a YouTube video sort of stuff that gets a lot of views. Most of them are British because they. I mean, it's going to be between the UK and and um, and the US. And there's not many. I can't think of really any US based publications. You've got Dave Arthur, British. 
I mean, who have you left with? You've got Francis Cade, British. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's but but the US the the US scene is bigger. That's what I mean. In That's the what US. blows my mind. Like, there's just the content comes out of UK based channels mm. most of the time. Yeah. Peak talk. So he uploaded. He's you know British. I'm just so I just typed in hill climb. And the, the the channels that are making hill climb videos are just the big channels, mm. regardless of what the um, content was. And the, all, all those videos do really well because, and that this is kind of, I suppose, yeah, my my point was like that. Therefore, all the kind of content seems to, well, because that's what seemingly is the demographic that is watching. So the content that is being made is, I suppose, targeted. To the British cyclist. And so hence my point, are they the best represented cyclist when it comes to, to anything on YouTube? Yeah. I would I think it's kind potentially of easily yeah. at this point. Yeah. Um, I actually find it feels really weird when GCN do their uh, sea otter, whatever it is. And it just feels, it doesn't feel right. Maybe it's because I've watched GCN for so long when they're over in the US documenting a gravel race it just doesn't f- have that feel whereas them on like a damp road reviewing a bike it that's a GCN video and it's so entrenched the 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 younger people that haven't been on YouTube for as long probably don't have any idea what I'm talking about i feel like the older crowd are probably like yeah i i know what you mean yeah i mean i'd have to agree with the in the sense that the hill climb season in the UK isn't that big a deal, but it's so it is on cycling YouTube for that week it's on. It crowds a lot of you. There'd be if you added up all the views, it'd be millions and millions and millions of views for a relatively small amount of the people that would be watching. Um, I don't. I, I feel like it's overrepresented even compared to gravel in the US. Even like if you come out of the the mainstream sort of English speaking stuff, like. I know there's the the uh, the Tour de Tinema guys, but like, I would have thought there'd be like a big. Uh, maybe there is like non speak non English speaking Asian sort of Japanese or some sort of Southeast Asian channel that's like just a GCNE type thing that's soaking up heaps of heaps of content, but it doesn't seem to exist either. So I don't know. It just yeah. Well. We had this chat with Joe in China. No, it's, yeah, it's it, you're missing. Yeah, I'm, I'd be I'd be curious to see the stats on the where I can't remember what the platform was called. Whether um, in China where they upload their their videos to. I wonder, I wonder if they have views that rival, um, you know, a GCN. Yeah, I find it interesting that cycling tips when it existed never really got into the YouTube space. So then outside came in but have also not didn't try didn't try i mean they could if they wanted to and this is kind of what i'm saying hasn't happened yet there's been no channel or network that has started to eat up other channels mm. even gcn just produced their own content as far as i'm aware none of the 
GCN hosts have had their own channels and then GCN as a network have eaten them up. Mm. We haven't seen that yet in, in, in cycling YouTube, whereas it does happen in the podcast space. It happens all the time. You have a podcast and some network eats network you up. Buys you. And, and, and then you, so everything's under a similar brand. It's, yeah, it hasn't. I thought if anyone was going to do it, it, w- it would have been GCN. Or, or outside, you, you, you could have thought, okay, so they, they acquire cycling tips. They oh. produce more videos, but then they realize it's quite difficult. So they then go, okay, we're going to buy Lantern Rouge. And that comes under them. Yep. Uh, the only small example of that would be, remember Cosmo Catalano, he was doing how the race was won. That then was for a period of time under cycling tips. And he now works for Escape Collective and does some things for them. So that's probably the only example I can think of. Um, I think that would change the landscape a bit if you had a network bring more people in so it wasn't so purely location-based. would give a bit of a more of a global feel. Like imagine if GCN bought Cam Nichols. It'd be like an... Aussie arm of GCN and then he would probably get more views from it. Yeah. It just comes back to that thing with cycling, how like everyone's super territorial and like, Oh, this is mine. Like niche. You can't, everyone's almost, um, opponents to each other. Like every, even a little us, like maybe GCN view us as like an opponent rather than, Viewing us and being like, oh, maybe we should bring them into the be a terrible idea, GCN. Don't do that. But like, you know, bring them into the GCN network, and Jesse and Chris can review their the new new bikes and give them a froth rating or something. You know. <laughs> so why wouldn't they do that with like a Lantern mm. Rouge? It's mm. a perfect. It's kind of race coverage. It's really popular, and we've already got the rights to the races. I find maybe I find it surprised that they wouldn't they haven't tried earlier on. I mean, it would cost them a fortune to do now. Earlier on, to bring on like Benji and Patrick and get them on as GCN race coverage, like just do Anton Rouge under GCN, and that all the sponsors could just be automatically filtered in. And would just no one's really. It doesn't look like they've done that. Or if you want to, if you want a US lifetime Grand Prix input, you know. Get Dylan Johnson on board as your in in race person, and bring him under the the GCN network. Pay him a salary to to do that. Yeah, I, I wonder know. if that's what uh, we we could probably talk to, to Lantern and Medji about this sometime. But because I've always wondered with their channel in particular, with what with what they're doing, where where's this go? Does is 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 Patrick just making Tour de France stage recaps for the next ten years? Is that is that his is that it? Is that just what he's doing? And they're doing the podcast. I have a f- they're two ambitious guys. I have a feeling they're going to get really bored doing that for a couple more years. So, I've oh, I've been curious where is that where are they going with that Lantern Rouge? Because they because the Lantern Rouge media have the um the guys doing the power data calculations, which are a bit dodgy as we've seen. But they've so they've kind of got the cycling graphs dude running the website. So there is a little bit of that. I wonder if they're going to start to. It'd be cool to see them start to run that, and maybe they start to go, "Hey, um, who would it, who would it be? Maybe Dylan Johnson. Hey, can we get you to come under Lantern Rouge Gravel and 
run a bit of you know, streamline under that. I could see that working because there'd be the sort of analysis type stuff post races, a bit of, bit of, yeah, the, the, the lantern crowd like that. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I'd be interested if they get into that. Like someone would, should try. <laughs> All those podcast networks like the Ringer Network and, yeah. Mm. And like, um, iHeartRadio mm. or there's so many of, um, yeah, there's so many of them. Off-seasons. Downtimes, offies, offies etc., etc. Not that we really ever have them here. Well, maybe, maybe. Um, but it's, I don't know, you do need to do it at some point every year, every now and again. But it's, mm-hmm. it's funny, like you don't, I take a couple of days off the bike and my brain starts thinking about all other <laughs> hobbies that could have, could have filled my life. Now, what sort of pops into your brain? Not something completely different to cycling. I I, I tend to, to to think of um, other things to do on the bike. Mm. I got a, I got a couple that I've have gone into before. As as weird as it sounds, the sort of the gravel bike packing trip starts to come in because you you're not you're training less. So then you start to look for things that are going to get you a whole bunch of hours on the bike, and you go, maybe I could ride from here to Orange. <laughs> with a tent, you know, I could, I could probably do that. Or maybe I should, maybe I should do some more long gravel days. I feel like that's the first stop in the winter or off season train of thought for me. It's interesting. Like the, I don't think of bike things normally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. At all. So my, my first, I, I, well, I haven't, I'd absolutely Love to do a full like just gym swall yep. thing for like two months. Well, probably that's a bit long, but like full three days a week, just go absolutely ham mm-hmm. at it and kind of actually see if I could put on a bit of muscle. Mm-hmm. That would be that's my number one, I reckon. Definitely, just fully go for it. Now, does it ever last? Do you ever try it? No, because I actually get like. Actually, really miss right. <laughs> Basically, okay. that's always the problem with it. Yep. Um, the other one's running. Like I do. Like yeah. my wife laughs laughs at me for this. Well, like I do. I do harbor an ambition <laughs> to sort of do little little jogs, little runs that could turn into like a local park run type <laughs> thing. That's that exists in my life mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. I wish I could do. That I've done it before. You put the shoes on, you go for a run, and you're so sore. And it's the sh- that ship sailed for me. Like maybe five years ago, if I had tried to keep up with it, it could have been a thing. I, I do the same, and I, I, I've done it in the past, and it will go for probably two weeks, and then the novelty wears off, and then I'm back on the bike anyway. But I, I agree, the running is definitely there. Um, Everesting gets me. Remember, Everesting was a thing. I do remember it being a thing. I have no interest at all in that. At all. Yeah. Like, that's just nothing about that interests me in any way, shape or form. I wonder why, because it's, so you're not racing and so you're just setting bigger and bigger goals as some kind of weird sort of mental stimulus game. Like, oh. Maybe I could do an Everesting in January and that'd, that'd get me through. By the way, I, 
I've I've kind of gotten over all of these. So I'm, these is this isn't. Please, no one hold me to doing anything I've just said. But I'm just going through the the motions of this. Anything else? Here. I also get funny training ones. I'm like, I'm gonna get the biggest one minute power I can. Ah. Yeah. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna put on a bunch of weight. I'm just gonna do a whole bunch of anaerobic capacity training, and I'm just gonna stomp out a massive <laughs> one minute or my sprint. Yeah. Like weird little things like that. Like I'm just going to try and crack 1600 Watts. That's not a little thing though. That's like, so that is one for me. That is definitely one for me. I, I have, yeah, I've really improved my sprint in the last sort of six months with a little bit of, little bit of that. And I want to go absolutely full bore now and like, see if I can I get to the magic 1200 or something like yeah, it's um that's a hundred percent and but like focus on it like properly like a tiny little thing. The funny thing is that's not this is, that's quite a good thing and there's certainly a place for that. I'm talking about this in in not a productive structured training point of view, more from a for whatever reason it, it feels cool to have a big one minute power and I want to train it. And the whole point of these things are they never last because I hate training. To improve one minute power, it sucks. So these things never last. It's just that one of those thoughts that you have for a fortnight and then peter off because they're not based on anything. Does track ever creep into your Never mind? actually getting on the track, mm. but like oh, I'm going to you know, train like I'm, like, a, like I'm a track sprinter for a oh, while, okay. that, that kind of thing. Cause, and that probably feeds into the going to the gym as well. Um, that's definitely one I go through. Another one for me is something to do with my position on the bike. So it's off season, not training that much. And the thought is I'm going to get really aero on the bike Mm. or I'm going to drop those two spaces out and, and go for it like that. Like just any little tweak where you don't really feel like you're training it's just for the couple of weeks you're on this weird side mission to just do something. And a lot of the times it will be position related for me for whatever reason. How are we looking skin suit jersey kit wise? Unfortunately, XLs have sold out in the skin suits. Um, so, But the stock left in the small, medium and larges and some jerseys left too. So coming up to Christmas time, I think the cutoff for international shipping, OzPost told me, was uh, early December to make sure you get it by Christmas. So, yeah, if you want to get in a Nero jersey or a Nero suit or the Nero suit black dark edition, link in the bio, link below and get around it. All right, sorry, we're a bit late this week as you can probably hear my my voice. It's my fault. Yes. Uh, however, things are on the improve, hopefully. Um, yeah, anyway, guys, thank you very much for your time. Hope to subscribe, like, et cetera, et cetera. Jesse, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Risking your life sitting just <laughs> metres away from me. And uh, we'll see you real soon. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. 
Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 